Good morning. For good morning. Well, thank you, brother. Um, it's a great privilege to be here in Georgia for the second time in my life. And I, lo- I love in every minute of it. I think I spent quite a bit of time fishing yesterday. More than I probably should have. But when I haven't fished in over two years, you know, that calling was right there. And, you know, Ephesians 4.1 says to honor that high calling to go fishing. So, <laughs> so thank you. First of all, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for putting us before the Lord in our time that we were in dire need physically also. This was such a huge blessing. I called up Sarah and Morris from Mexico. I didn't text them. I called them. I said, we're kind of in trouble here. I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't look good. Would you pray for us? And they said, definitely. We hung up, we prayed, and I felt peace. But I'm going to let you speak to my wife. She's going to tell you her perspective and what happened to her. And then I'll fill in the blanks that she doesn't know about until I've shared, you know, recently with her. Good morning, everybody. Uh, We stand here healed and blessed. And thank you so much for your prayers. No, he just wants to eat it. Uh, As you saw in the video, um, it was October, and uh, I started going into labor. That week, we had a uh, huge medical missions. We had um, 16 doctors and ophthalmologists, and people come from Kansas to be with us, and we serviced over 1,000 people. So I was helping with registration, and I just didn't feel good that day. I was just... I kept asking the people to move back so I could get some room. I felt like I was, it was closing in on me. And they did, politely, they moved. And um, at lunchtime, I had my doctor check me, and he's like, you're, you're at a one centimeter. Uh, take this and go home and rest. And if you need anything else, call me in the morning. So at 7 in the morning, I, <laughs> hello. And they didn't go away. My contractions were... Um, very strong at that point. Um, Tynan took me to the doctor to check because he was on his way up at uh, 7 in the morning to um, start the clinic. And so the pediatrician also came by to check in on us because with working with him, they were very concerned. And so I got to the hospital uh, 30 minutes away and my uh, contractions were one minute apart and still at a one centimeter. (laughs) And uh, that was, the baby was not going to come normal. And uh, he says, okay, we're going to prep you. And um, they started all the procedures. And at that point, I felt, felt an anxiety because um, it wasn't, I was five weeks early. And uh, that was just stressing me out a little bit. But... Um, Our pediatrician also goes to a a church there, and he felt prompted to pull out his cell phone and Google on YouTube an instrumental music 
uh, praise and worship, Christian music. And that just really blessed me. And I felt his peace. And I'm pretty sure the first song I heard was, It Is Well With My Soul. And I'm laying there. And I, I felt God's peace. And I said, Lord, if you're ready to take me, I'm ready to go. But if you're not, there's a new little one that I'd like to get to know. And I just remember just feeling his peace. Um, they started the uh, cesarean, and um, Oren came out. He was uh, very purple, very, very purple. Uh, the knot in his cord had begun to tighten. When he developed, he swam a knot in, in the cord. And it wasn't around his neck or anything, but it was a physical knot. And uh, they said that had he waited another day, uh, he would not have made it and because it was starting to tighten and he was so purple. So they worked on him and got him doing good. And I remember saying, can I see my baby <laughs> at one point? Um, but the Lord is good. The doctor felt, he says, I have a feeling that I need to make an incision lengthways instead of horizontal. And we felt that the Lord prompted him to do that because after they took the baby out, um, they found the septic infection. And the short story is, is that I had a gallstone uh, come out of my gallbladder and go into my intestines. It perforated it, caused a big hole, and the gallstone also lacerated my appendix. So I had a lot of things leaking into my body, and my body masked by the pregnancy. I didn't know anything was wrong, but it caused the contractions, which caused the labor, which caused me to have the baby early. And um, God blessed us through this time with prayers and uh, financial support. Um, I needed to, ha after all the surgeries were done, I needed to have um, uh, dialysis for my kidneys. They began to shut down with all the medication and the trauma from the surgeries. And so over the course of a month, I had three sessions of dialysis, and that was to get my kidneys starting working again. But again, through it all, there was peace that God was going to bring us through it. And um, he did. This is Oren Matthias. Lion King style. <laughs> so this is Oren Matthias. His name is from the Hebrew, meaning pine trees. We live in a land of pine trees and avocado trees and blackberry bushes and sugar cane. Hey, we feel like we're at home. We, we were driving through today and we're like, Man, this reminds us a lot of home, all these pine trees. So that, that's great. But also, his name is Oren in Spanish, which means to pray. And God really placed it upon my heart in 2015 to pray. And it came about that we were thinking, well, what are we going to name him? And in typical fashion of my wife, she goes through several names, throws out many ridiculous names, they're all ridiculous because there's only one name he's going to be named. And uh, the Lord really kind of spoke to me. Let's, you know, name him Oren. Lydia looked it up. And we found it in 1 Chronicles 2.25, Oren. 
we named him Oren, and that also means to pray. So now we're in the village, and, you know, when he gets older, we can say, Oren, and all the people start to pray. So that's a great call to prayer. Oren Matthias Barnes. He was born purple, and he's alive. Thank God for him. What, what Lydia didn't know, even though she was somewhat awake and heavily drugged, is uh, the doctors were in there working on her, and one of the doctors came out, and he's shaking his head, wiping his forehead, keeping his composure. And he says, este es muy feo, muy grave, this is very ugly, this is very grave. What is going on with your wife? And for me, you know, at that time, my Spanish was not as good as it is today. But I'm thinking, okay, it's ugly, it's grave, no problem. And so he had to call our friend Charlie and tell him the story. Charlie called me up and said, dude, you better be praying. Your wife's on her deathbed. The doctors don't think she's going to live through this surgery. She has lost a lot of blood. They had to take out six centimeters of her intestines where her intestines were cut, took out her appendix, took out the baby, and all this infection in her stomach. They don't think she's going to live through it. So I, you know, understood what he was saying. I got down and I prayed. When I finished praying, I came up and that peace... How many have experienced a peace that surpasses all understanding? You don't understand it, but you feel the presence of God upon your prayers, upon your life. We prayed, we called, and we had our prayer warriors praying for us. And what happened is we felt peace. Lydia was at peace, and God touched her life. I physically was on my knees praying, and spiritually I could see God like a puppet master guiding the, the hands of the doctors to clean her, to fix her up. At one point, the doctor came out again, was still telling me how bad it was, brought me in, and I'm looking in on her, and I see her just wide open, and he grabs her uterus. What's this? I'm like, I guess it's her intestines. I don't know, you're the doctor. So I can really say that I know my wife inside and out. <laughs> One day that joke will get old, but not today. <laughs> but I did. I saw things I probably never want to see again inside her body. But I, I praise God that what he has done for, for us is he has provided supernatural healing, supernatural payment for everything. We, we had saved up everything we needed for him to be born for a regular birth. And then we had to kick into overdrive, and we started praying, well, Lord, she's got this surgery, the cesarean. Now she's got three other surgeries that just added on top of that, plus a specialist called in to help with the intestines. And then the antibiotic that they gave her was so strong, as Lydia said, her kidneys just failed to function. She had edema or edema. So I could press my thumb in on her leg and it would not raise back up. It would stay down in her. She was retaining so much water that she wasn't getting any better. Her urine bag wasn't filled. It wasn't the normal, so they were very concerned. And they had ordered uh, an ambulance to come and pick us up. 
and take us to a hospital in the big city an hour away. Well, when they were loading her, her up, <clears throat> uh, Lydia says the doctors were crying. They're very dear to our hearts. They work, you saw them, the volunteer doctors. They work in our medical clinics every month, volunteering their time to open up, help us open up the doors with good works. Medical clinics are good works. They don't have, you saw that they have glucose testing. Multiple, multiple people die from diabetes in Mexico every year. One, because they have a, a bottle and they fill it with Coke and they give it to their baby. And so then there sets the beginning of diabetes at a young age is just sugary drinks, sugary candy. I can't go to a place where kids aren't sucking down candy or drinking a soda. It's sad. So we have glucose testings. These are the good works that we are able to get into the doors. And this is such a blessing because these doctors were crying and they're very near and dear to our hearts. And they sent us away not knowing what was going to happen, but Lydia and I knew that God had this in his hands under control and he had taken care of us. God had truly blessed us. Lydia was ready to go, but I was praying, God, don't take her. If she's gone, I'm not going back home. I'm staying here. You called me to work. And I, I told her the same thing. If anything happens to me, God's call, got a high calling on your life just as mine. You're not called to go back home to the States. You're called to work among the Parepecha. So this is an amazing testimony standing right beside me. My beautiful bride, my Parepecha doll. And if you can realize it, this is in many of the villages their everyday wear. This is their typical clothing they wear. Other villages have lost a lot of their culture and they wear clothes just, you know, just like us, T-shirts and pants or T-shirt and a dress or whatever. But this is their typical parepecha dress for the women. The men don't dress like this. Just remember that. Like Morris was telling us, um, God really called my heart back in 2012 for Latinaja. And you got to see in that last uh, segment of the video, Latinaja. God put a strong burden upon my heart. So for the past three years, we were praying nothing but for Latinaja because it was so strong. We got there in January and we were eager to go to Latinaja, but the door wasn't open for us yet. Our uh, senior missionaries and trainers told us, no, we, we have other ideas for you guys. We're going to set this other missionary couple from Cuernavaca, which is in South Mexico. We're going to send them up to Latinaja to work there. That will be a great fit. Lydia and I were just like, oh, why, Lord? We'll submit. We'll do what you say. That's fine. God, you've got this. We know we'll be there because you called us to go there. And so a month later, an issue happened in a village just, um, just about seven kilometers away from where we live. They had a Christian wedding. Well, we're living in the land of Catholicism mixed in with uh, witchcraft, mixed in with uh, worship of the saints, mixed in with whatever else they want to throw in there. It's a hodgepodge of Catholicism mixed into one. They don't like Christians. They will stone you. They will kill you. They even tried to take one of the missionary women and burn her in the center of the village because she was Christian. Talk about persecution. It's still happening today. And this village closed its doors, and that missionary couple from Cuernavaca were going to be working up in uh, Latinaja, 
And that door slammed shut for them to go to Latinaja because they're only another uh, six kilometers up the mountain from the village that the Christian wedding was being held in. So we're like, okay, Lord, what's going to go on now? And the doors just swung wide open. We went up there. We befriended the uh, village chief. We've put on several different roofs for widows' homes, as you saw in the, in the video. We brought in water. They haven't had water in over a year. I haven't mentioned the gospel yet because it hasn't opened yet. It's still a closed-off village. So we're taking baby steps, baby steps, bringing in water, bringing in water that they don't have to go down and draw from a well, that they can actually have running water in their homes. My son, Talon, went with me. We walked up that mountain, down that valley, up that mountain, down that valley, up the part, next part of that mountain. It was like, oh, Lord, I was done eight seconds ago when I just started this trip. It was so high up in the mountains, I was tired. But we were carrying two rolls of 100-meter rolls of water line with us. Heavy. So they cut it off, cut it off in about 25-meter segments, and we're walking it up there, not stopping. And these prepacha, they have lungs like a giant. They just walk and run. They're running up the mountain. I'm like, hold on, wait for me. And I could barely. And then we get to one point, and one of the guys said, you want to ride my horse? I said, yes, thank you, Lord, yes. <laughs> so I rode the horse the rest of the way, but we were dragging the water lines. You saw the water was muddy, dirty. This is what they're drinking. We had to clean it out clean out every portion. They had several people. They're very violent people. They're a tough, resistant people group we're working among. They'll walk. They'll see a water line. Oh, that goes to Latinaja. They don't like them. They take their machete out and cut the line, so it creates more problems. And you think they don't have guns, but every one of, my, of the guys that were going to repair the line had a gun. I asked the, the chief, why is everybody carrying a gun? Even you're carrying a gun. Oh, because of mountain lions. I'm sure it was the mountain lions. So they do have civil wars amongst their own people. They have a 500-year land battle in one village with another village just up the mountain. For 500 years, they've been battling over one piece of land because of the rights to the trees. Unforgiveness, unwilling to let go and to give God glory and to accept what God has called us to do is to forgive, and they can't do that. They're very tough, very resistant. They were the last people that Cortez conquered, and he never conquered them through, through war. He couldn't because they were that fierce. The Mayans couldn't conquer them. The uh, Aztecs couldn't conquer them. They were that fierce, that resistant to the outside world. But when Cortez came in, their first uh, king that became Christian, Tanganwan, he... Was a cat, became a Catholic, and that opened up the doors for them to be conquered through religion. So within Catholicism, Cortez never cut anything out. They just adapted their own religion with Catholicism, which is where you have a lot of the witchcraft, a lot of the dark forces we are working against. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness, and that's what we walk into every single day we wake up in our home and go to a village. We're working in these dark areas. So thank you so much for your prayers. Very much. They are very coveted because your prayers penetrate the heavens 
God hears your words and they are more valuable than anything on this earth because they pave the way for the saints to walk the road where no one else will go. As Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. doesn't matter what's going to happen to my physical body. Send me to where you want me to go. And the Lord said, go to Mexico. I said, Lord, I don't want to go to Mexico back when I was a kid because I knew God called me to ministry. But you know what he said? Go to Mexico. Oh, okay, Lord. I threw my hands up, and then we went on a roller coaster ride that I'd never dreamed of in my life. And God provided for everything we needed. He got us debt-free, and praise the Lord, we're still debt-free. Uh, going back to the um, hospitals, one hospital was 75,000 pesos. So roughly translated, about $5,000. Transferred us to another hospital, another 75,000 pesos. We, I showed Lydia the bill, and she goes, let's pray about it. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, brother. And we said, okay, we prayed about it. And then I think, what, 10, 15 minutes later, I get a call from Sarah. Our church is going to be helping you guys out. And then uh, I said, praise God, and we talked, and I hung up, and I got a Facebook message from somebody else. We're sending you $50, another person. We're sending you so and so much money. And then another, and it was like, this, this is getting real now. God is showing his faithfulness to us while we're here in a foreign land where I'm unable to work, unable to do anything but work for the gospel. That is a blessing of the Lord God Almighty. Paid for every penny that we needed. And, and Sarah was saying, we pray that you'd have more above and beyond what you need. And I said, thank you, Lord. I accept it. And we had more than we needed. Praise God. And that took care of everything that we ever needed to take care of in Mexico. We have a Mexican baby. We have four Mexican resident children through their visas. And then we're also permanent residents also. God really provided for everything we needed. This is an amazing testimony for my life to see that God works through the prayers of his people, especially here also. So thank you so much. If you've got any questions, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Tomorrow's 4th of July. Freedom. I'm glad I have freedom in Christ Jesus because he's the one who truly makes us free. How about now? Okay. <clears throat> in thinking about them coming, one of the things that we always, you know, we live in South Georgia. You know, we live in Tifton, all of us. And so it's real easy for us to just have our own little mindset. And so I just had a couple of questions, and then we were going to open it up to anybody who had questions. Just do it a little bit differently. You guys have been in the mission field over in Mexico for 18 months. Is that right? Yes, about a year and a half, 18 months. Okay, so you've spent a year and a half over there. If you could, if you could say one thing to us, because we, we're, we're not experiencing Mexico, we're not outside. If you could say one thing to us to impact our global mindset, what would it be? Get out of the boat. The Lord really put that on my heart yesterday as I was fishing. It's my time that I go and I pray. 
I fish, but I'm praying. It's my time to just relax. He said, you know, what did it say in Matthew 14? Peter was seeing Jesus walk on the water. He cried out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, if that is you, command me to come out on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? He had to get out of his comfort zone, get out of the boat, and that's the only recorded history that we have of another person walking on water was Peter. That's right. Get out of the boat. You heard the word of exhortation was, he's calling you to deeper waters. That means you're going to have to start experiencing a bigger faith. Have bigger faith to take those steps. We, we were trying to get to the mission field for 10, 10 years and nothing would open up. And we finally said, Lord, we put this in your hands. I'm tired of doing it my way. And so he started leading us to get financial independence. Started leading us through deliverance to, to take care of some of the issues, the scars that we had in our spirit. But this couldn't happen if we were going to stay in the boat where it's safe and secure. We had to get out of the boat, get out of, get out of Georgia, experience what God has called you to to the fullest. That's good. That's very good. Uh, I'm going to open it up. Does anybody have any questions? Maybe you've had missions on your heart before, and you've always wanted to ask a missionary question, but in this venue, it never really happens. Who's got a question? Anybody? Y'all all sitting there looking at me like, what are we doing? Anybody got any questions? Anything else? There you go. Come on, Come on Brother Earl. <laughs> From the onset, when you first, uh, when y'all first went down there, um, was there somebody there waiting to uh, put you on the path, or how did that go? That That is a very great question, because a lot of missionaries just go. With our organization, with World Indigenous Missions, when you're a new missionary, as we were, and you could say still are, you just don't get thrown out on the, in the lion's den. You are paired up with a senior missionary who will take you on as an apprentice for a minimum of two years. So you saw our co-laborers up there, Charlie and Sharon Steffler. They are like our mentors, our trainers, and co-laborers. We submit under their authority and work with them because they've been there for 11 years now working with the Parepecha. So we're not there alone. When we got there, they were there to welcome us and help us with the cultural adaptation, the adaptation to the food and the language, but mainly it was through the cultural because 90% of um, learning is cultural, the other 10 is language. So we did have somebody there on the field who's mentoring us and helping us and we're just not fed to the lions. Now, if you're a Daniel, that's okay. What did you say? Say that again about 90%? 90% of learning is cultural. 10% is language. I mean, I can say that's A-okay, but there in Mexico, do not do that. I came back, and this is just cultural. I came back, and somebody says, would you like some? And I go, no, thank you. No, thank you. This... You know, here, giving you the back of my hand here in America is not, it's kind of offensive. Why are you doing that? 
Mexico, you go, no, thank you. you it's polite. And I told Lydia, I'm still in Mexico. I'm still raising my hand to people. <laughs> we have some missionary friends that are back home. They were in South America for over three years, and now the Lord has called them to come back to what they call the States. So how can we help them in times when we see them look and feel overwhelmed trying to get out of the South American culture that they, because when they went there, they submitted themselves fully believing this is where they will be for the rest of their life, just like all of us. If you buy a home or you wherever you live or you work, you just believe that's where you will plant your roots. So they planted roots and they felt dug in for three whole years. So then to come back and to come back to this culture and to these ways, um, you know, she just felt overwhelmed one day just walking into TJ Maxx. She just had to turn around and leave, even though she's from America. Just being there and submitting fully to what God called them to do. How can we, our family and our church, help support them and help their transition as they're back so that they're not overwhelmed? Um. I would say from our experience, you know, coming back is to give them grace. Just understand if, you know, they're out and about and they have to leave for a moment and take a minute for themselves. It is overwhelming. I mean, the cereal aisle at Walmart, that's a whole lot of choices. <laughs> say that again. The cereal aisle at Walmart is a whole lot of choices. And... Our kids express, which one do I pick? Oh, they have that. I haven't had that. Oh, you just get get overwhelmed. But give them grace. Give them some space. But but love on them also. Um, I'm pretty sure I could uh, talk to Sarah about some ideas that the women's group could help put together. That our church um, in Texas really just bless the socks off of us. And uh, the church... Um, have donated almost all of the children's uniforms for this next year. So the children coming from South America, this is a new ballpark. This is, this is not something they've experienced in a while. They need time to adjust. Just love on them. Give them grace. Well, I'm going to get the elders to come up and their wives. Y'all come on up. We're going to. Anybody got any more questions? There you go. Y'all come on up. Just thought of this, how children are so well to interact. Uh, how, how much does your children contribute to y'all's missionary contribution in the country? Mm, Talon, how much do you contribute to our missionary activity in Mexico? He's thinking. He contributes more than what I thought he would. So when we're re-roofing roofs, he's on top of the roof because, you know, my life savings that I've saved for my entire life is a little too big for their roofs. We were in San Isidro one day putting a roof on for, for a very, very poor woman. And um, I started getting up on that roof, and so the house isn't anchored in, and it started going forward. And I jumped off, and we're holding it. They had to re-anchor it reset it it's like well there goes my chance and talon jumps up there and starts putting on a roof he opens up the doors that i can't because of his youth because of his age we we go to some villages he doesn't care too much for there's another village latinaja 
He says, when are we going back? He loves going there. He's got some friends there. He's able to open up. He shares with them. The gospel is inching its way into Latinaja. So our, our children are a huge, vital part of missions. It's not just me. I thought, you know, missions is pretty much going to be me, and she's going to be left at home doing all the work like she normally does all the work. But we got there, and I'm starting to see her shine, and I see her gifting. She's working with youth group, and I just see a glow about her that God is moving in, the, in my wife's life, and I have to take that step back. It ain't about me. It's about getting the gospel preached <clears throat> among the lost, among those who are hungry. We had a lady from Latinaja walk 12 miles to get to our house, so hungry for a Bible study. She says, I want to learn the Bible. We have said nothing much about anything about the Bible. When they start sharing a little bit, we'll share a little bit, kind of give them a little taste of that, you know, steak, well-seasoned, and they want a little more, but you can't open up completely yet. And then she comes down and says, I want to know more about the Bible. I take that step back. Lydia takes that step in because it's a woman. I can't really minister to a woman. And she's starting to shine brighter and brighter in the darkness. And I take that step back and I start praying for her. Start let God use who he wants to use to glorify him. John Piper said, missions exist because worship doesn't. We are bringing worship to those who do not worship God. That's why missions exist. Our children are a great example. Being flexible. We're there the first few days. Do I have to speak Spanish? So we throw them in the public school system there. And within a month and a half, they're speaking Spanish. There are times Talon will just pipe up, Dad, you said that wrong. This is how you say it. I was like, okay. So he knows better Spanish than I do. And I went to school for a year to learn Spanish. But he's in there every single day learning Spanish. He can speak to them. He, he knows their heart language. So, do, so does my little Gideon. We, we carry in Oren, wherever he went to, over there. We carry Orion in, and they said, where is he from? Oh, he's from here. <gasps> he's one of ours. It's not us and them. He, they look at that baby as he's one of ours. He's a little Mexican baby. He is ours. Don't take our baby from us. And he's a white little boy. <laughs> and they claim him as their own. So this is another door that we get into villages. They have a great opportunity, our children. Had in common with the uh, Hefe's wife that opened doors is... Yeah, you saw the pictures where it said visitations in those slides there. Those were the starts of uh, visiting them, them in their homes. And the lady sitting next to me was Ophelia, and her son Miguel was born a month before Oren. And it was her, also her fifth child. And we really connected over our pregnancies, and she was amazed at my testimony. She would sit there and just say, only God, only God. And this is a, a lady who, who is Catholic, and they believe in Mary and pray to her. But she recognized that our situation 
the only way that everything happened was through God. And that was a real testimony. And um, she's actually the one who wants the Bible studies. And we're just waiting for a couple more things before we can really dig in or get into her life with discipleship. But it's coming. Amen. You've been there for 18 months. And you hadn't said a word about Jesus yet as far as publicly hadn't started? Well, if I ask them, do you know, you know, tu conoces Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Yeah, he's my cousin. He lives right down the road. So we, we um, you just can't go in guns blazing, you know, this is about Jesus. You have to go in and love the people where they're at, in That's their good. circumstances, That's in good. their situations. Their kids are filled with dirt and dust and filth. You know, they got the running snot boogers with just dirt covering, and you just hug on them and love on them. And that day, the door opens up because you're a part of their life. You're just not some person knocking on the doors. You want to know Jesus? Oh, I know him. I believe in him because Catholics believe in Jesus. But they don't have the truth of who Jesus is in their life and what he did. They only have traditions. That's good. Well, let's pray. Y'all stand up. Let's stretch our hands forth toward Tynan and Lydia. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for coming and sharing your heart, giving us a global perspective. We sometimes just have our own little perspective, but I believe you've opened up some things inside of us that help us see some things. Yeah, we'll come. We'll set up a mission trip and go to Mexico. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay our hands on Tynan and Lydia and their family that's called and anointed to go to Mexico. Father, we just thank you for them. We thank you for their willingness. We thank you for their integrity. We thank you for their obedience. We thank you that because of those things, because of your call, you have graced them and gifted them to be over there in the mission field. And so we we just release a greater anointing on them. That these 18 months that they've been sowing and just loving on the people and getting into their relationship, that getting into their lives and building relationships with them, we call forth now is the time for the doors of opportunity to be flooded open, to be able to present the gospel, to be able to present the real true nature of who Jesus is. And Father, that all this prep work and all this footwork that they've done has been in preparation for the moment that's ahead of them. And that is to begin to, to open up that, that, uh, that province of Mexico where they can go in and begin to uh, build up those people, raising up leaders and establishing your church. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Oren, that he could not touch them. And Father, I, I just want to lift up all the missionaries, especially the wives down there, the, that there's been so many stories coming forth of missionaries suddenly getting cancer and suddenly uh, women. Uh, Lydia's not the only woman to struggle in childbirth and Father, I can just see Satan trying to rear his ugly head. And, Lord, we just thank you that you're greater. 
and mightier than he is, and that you put him in his place through Lydia's life. sense uh, just uh, a freshness and a newness of great favor upon both of you and it's ahead I know you're itinerate and God has uh, just many blessings ahead for your time here in the states but as you return I, I feel like you're returning into a fruitful that it's 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 ripe and it's time and it will be a fruitful field that you are returning to. All the implications on that, I, I, I know all, the the fruit was plentiful in the promised land, and but there was work to do. That doesn't mean there's not work to do. Okay, you well know that there is, but I, you're returning it into a, a time and a period of fruitfulness in the midst of this. Thank you, Lord. Brother, as uh, Morris was speaking, he gave me a confirmation, and I was wondering where it was going to fit. Uh, as we began to pray for you, I saw a mason jar filled with peaches. And I said, Lord, what do I do with that thing? So he, he, he passed by, and I said, uh-oh. So he's talking about fruitfulness, but the Lord says during this season, he is preparing you like a mason jar where he's filling you with new fruit of provision that will be stored for a time. But as you open up that mason jar of peaches, that aroma that first comes out when that sound goes whoosh and that top pops and those peaches are just as fresh as the day that they were put in there. He said, this is the season where he has prepared you like that Georgia mason jar full of fresh peaches he is going to be sending you back, and when you land on that continent, he is going to open that jar, and there will be a fragrance of his provision, of freshness, of renewing, of his presence, of the word, and all will be drawn to this fresh fruit that will be there. And it's not just the fruit of just the word of what you've done. It's the fruit of what he has put into you. Because those peaches are the same as all the other peaches that have been left on the shelf. But you will be open for such a time as this. And it will bring renewing and refreshing to that people group. And you will learn some things and they will learn some things also. Amen. What I saw is I saw that the Lord does not just call you to the mission field. He calls your entire family and where you go, you all go. And I just saw um, my husband, he was talking about such a time as this and, and Langston, he just said that. And before they said that, I just saw Esther and I just saw you sitting there with the chief's wife. And I just heard the Lord say the same thing that you were saved for this time. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that you were created for this time, but that you were saved for this time. And I also, also saw this whole entire um, like halo thing over your children. 
not that it wasn't over YouTube, but I saw it over them that they were the created ones for this time, that you were saved for this time. And I just feel that you are going to be having the same testimony, that you are going to have things that are going to come into place and you're going to have things that are going to just be available because you were saved for this time. And I just saw the Lord saying that he is going to use you just the same as he used Esther, even though there's not much in the Bible about her, what little we do know about her is so powerful and that you're just like this little thing that's going to be this mighty power for the country of Mexico and just to just stay encouraged and knowing that where you go, they go, what you do, they do, that it is not only just for you two, but it is for them as well. And everything that you have to sacrifice, they have to sacrifice. And that everything that the Lord sees them have a turn heart towards him for what mom and dad has fulfilled through God, that the Lord is going to bless them. He's going to use them. He's going to see that everything that's in their heart's desire is going to be fulfilled. Amen. 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 Stretch your hands forth one more time. Father, we bless them. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you that you have imparted a global mindset into us. And now we release them, we bless them, we join with them, and we say be fruitful in everything that you put your hands to. Father, help us to have that mindset. But Father, if we're, some of us aren't called to go to the mission field, but we're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be witnesses. And so we join with them. We release our faith with them to be blessed in everything they put their hands to, every provision, every need, every financial, every emotional, every physical need met right now in the name of Jesus. And we say you are doing the Great Commission. And as a result of you going into all the world and preach the gospel, we say blessings over you. Release the blessing of the Lord come upon you. And it is not work. It adds no sorrow with it. It just comes. And we just declare that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, listen, before you leave, two things. Number one, we want to be a blessing to them. Not just what we've already done. We want to be a blessing financially. So if you have it on your heart to give, to sow into their ministry, make the checks out to New Covenant Church. Put on there the Barnes Family Missionaries. Drop it back there in that back box, and we'll make sure that they get it. And secondly, while you're leaving, come on up here and love on them and hug on them. Tell them thank you for going to Mexico, because some of us sure ain't called to go to Mexico. Amen? You go and be blessed.